folks, and welcome welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajimam, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Native Shark, which is an online platform for learning Japanese. And what Native Shark do is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. You log in, you click a button that says study now, and the platform then shows you exactly what you need to learn next based on your previous progress. Now, again, this is simple, but the way it's designed means that students who use Native Shark once a day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of university study. And this is not just um, them patting themselves on the back. Now that Native Shark's been in business for over a year, the results are in. So this is exactly what people are saying. Uh, just looking at the couple of posts in their community forums. And the student community, by the way, is one of the best things about the platform. So one person's writing, most productive year I've had learning Japanese. And then another one says, I've started learning over a year ago with all of these other platforms. And what I learned there is only a fraction of what I've learned on Native Shark in just three months. And then yet another one goes, in my mind, my study timeline only started with Native Shark because that's when I really started learning consistently and on and on. So yet the proofs in the pudding, it's definitely the best online course out there. And since you've heard about it here on the podcast, you also get an extra little bonus. If you sign up for their free trial uh, using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI, and we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. So that's native without an E. So N-A-T-I-V shark, all one word, dot com forward slash N-T-I. You use that link to sign up and you'll get a double length free trial. So two weeks free instead of just the one. No need to put in your credit card, anything of that sort. You can just sign up, give it a shot, and chances are at the end of these two weeks, you'll already be far ahead of wherever you are with your Japanese at the moment, whether you're just starting out or you're already in knee deep. Give it a shot, nativeshark.com forward slash NTI. Okay, so for today's episode, we're back with your favorite talking heads, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel, or as I like to call us, JREP. Uh, apologies to Matt, he doesn't like acronyms, but this one just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? And in this week's conversation, we dig into the ins and outs of professional representation in the property market. So from buyer's agents to realtors, property managers, short-term stay operators, property lawyers or judicial scriveners, renovation professionals, and much, much more. How it all works, why it all needs to be paid for, or in some cases, why you'd be much better off paying for these services. And we also touch on the purchase process a bit, uh, how that all works in Japan, why sometimes transactions are conducted in cash. And I personally had a tough time wrapping my head around that one. Uh, common myths, misconceptions, things that first-time buyers often tend to think or say, which may not be um, completely accurate. And again, much, much more. So a really fun conversation. And if you'd like to actually see us as we speak, we'll also link to the YouTube channel, Highly recommended. We're all extremely attractive, especially Emil. So yeah, good conversation. Hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, oh, but before we get right into it, quick heads up on a topic that's completely unrelated to this podcast. So personal confession, these last couple of years, being stuck at home most of the time with the pandemic and all, we get very seriously into board games and card games, or at least my son and I did, and so did quite a few of our friends and acquaintances. And speaking to a bunch of them, We've come to realize that a lot of people that we know who are also into board games are, surprisingly enough, also into business and investment. 
Now, there are obvious parallels there, uh, strategic thinking, resource management, uh, conflict, conflict resolution, and so on and so forth. So realizing that, we've decided to throw together a little weekend event that will mix uh, our two passions, so business networking and gaming. And we're going to hold the first one this coming December in a trendy Fukuoka City Hotel. We're hoping to have lots of people from all over Japan turn up. We've just opened registration, so we'll link to the booking page in this episode's show notes. If you've got any sort of interest in business and or gaming, and you don't have to be deeply into either, just a passing interest will do, we hope you'll come and join us at the Hotel Montan in Hakata, 10 to 12 December 2021, that's Friday through to Sunday. We're going to have business speakers, uh, game industry speakers, hopefully they're an elusive bunch and plenty of free time for networking, business discussions, just to get to know each other, and of course, plenty of gaming as well. So full room and board, super affordable, tons of fun guaranteed. All right, that's it, pitch over. And now let's get into the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Weekly Chat. Enjoy, and I'll see you again on the other side. Oh. Repeat that. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Emil. You were saying about your vibrating device. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. off the cuff. It's going to be off the cuff. <laughs> Just oh, sorry, barely. Yes, yes. I'm all for sports massage. <laughs> all right. So let me also record the audio just in case. Give me a second. Cool. So what are we talking about today? Real estate. Let's avoid vaccinations and potential policies on, well, on how the government's going to handle it. Differently. We can regurgitate some of the last couple of um, sessions because um, if anyone is watching this replay, um, then uh, we've actually done a number of these uh, and just basically just been talking to ourselves because we thought they'd been recorded and then not. So... I wonder. Um, I wonder know. who stuffed that one up. Not I'm me. Saying, not me. Not me. Not me. <laughs> Nobody. So, yeah. But um, yeah, we can we can talk about all the things we were talking about. There was some. Um, there was a really interesting conversation um, that I saw online this week, Matt, about um, some chap who was looking at getting an Akia. But there was a person who was a Fedorsan or a re, like a, a company that was sort of doing the, the brokering for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, do, like, uh, trying to put themselves in the middle at, for a fee, uh, putting mm -hmm. themselves in the middle for a, well, we'll help you, but you've basically got to use our renovation services. Right, right. So what, uh, is that sort of thing typical when people are going out looking for Akia? It's um, not uncommon. How does, that how does that differ from from what you do? It's it's not uncommon at all. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the case, but that's the sort of predatory or predatory practices that um, honestly, I'm granted, like we're middle middle people too, right? So it's not like I don't recognize the at least subtle irony. But well, you that, don't force but, people to use you for renovations, right? Yeah, they can if they want. Right. But I mean, honestly, and I've said this before, and I feel like it's it's sort of hard to convince people I'm being truthful. But I mean, yeah, we, you know, we want to make a little bit of money off this. But really, this is was started as a passion project. And a big part of what we want to do is just see these things move. 
right? And so if we have resources that we can provide um, our clients with, of course, you know, we're open to doing that. We don't want to lock anybody into anything. That being said, um, again, going back to what Tracy was talking about with the, well, we'll help you, but you got to do this as well sort of practice. That is common. It's a pain in the ass. Uh, I'd almost guarantee that it's not going to be quality at all. I mean, it's going to be cookie cutter, you know, spackle, spackle board and or particle board and spackle and just kind of, you know, typical modern sort of uh, like food or uh, Muji style kind of kind of renovations. It's an unfortunate truth. And that's like with Ikea or anything else. I mean, the post-purchase whatevers can be a minefield, regardless of kind of the price of, of, of the property. Um, and that's something that just anybody needs some, you know, some help navigating, especially if it's their first time. Double, especially if it's an Akia thing. I mean, that can definitely get like very weird very quickly. Um, and so just having the resource and have basically, you know, having somebody on your side in the ring with you as, you know, kind of um, Ziv, you would uh, call it, you know, like buyer's representation, basically having somebody that can sort of run defense for you, understands what the hell is going on. Hey, we've got our legal department over here, so don't fuck with us kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the best way to go about it. That being said, there are fees associated with it. Right. Um, and so what that poster was experiencing, I don't, on one hand, I don't like seeing it because, I mean, as myself and, you know, just buying anything, right. You know, let's, let's do it quick. You know, let's make this transaction totally, you know, mutually beneficial and stop lying to me and all of these things. On the other hand, I do think it is valuable for the, at least in the current um, kind of environment for these situations to pop up every once in a while, just kind of as a general learning experience for anybody who's interested in the territory, because kind of selfishly at the end of the day, that makes our job a whole lot easier. That reduces sales time. That reduces like, okay, here's what we offer. Here's how much it costs. You know what the hassles are. You don't want to do it. Great. Come to us. We'll get it done. If you don't want that, that's fine, but it's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you should ever apologize um, for being the, the buyer's advocate. I think that is a skill set that um, a lot of people don't have and uh, you're actually offering a valuable service. So there's no, there's no need to apologize for actually charging for that. And it's, uh, it's really up to, the, up to the buyer themselves, like how much do they want? How much do they want, want the property and how much is their time worth compared to paying someone like you? And, and you know, their time is worth money and so is yours. So I, I don't think you should ever apologize for that. And I so think I, you're I very transparent about it. I, I agree with you in principle, <laughs> um, but another thing, and I, I've said this many times before too, a big part of our job is not just the brokerage and stuff, it's sort of the narrative, um, like wrangling narratives and kind of education and, and things like that. And so while I agree with you in principle, one thing that we run into a lot is that simply because buyer's representation and advocacy is not very standard practice at all um, in the Japanese real estate market and other markets as well. Um, and there's a very kind of concretely in, in, ingrained and very narrow kind of conception of what a real estate transaction looks like and who the players are and timeframes and all of this stuff. So that often, not too often, but you know, often enough for me to notice, um, there are sort of visceral gut reactions to us or other players coming in and saying, 
hey, you know, we can do the representation thing, you know, it costs you extra. And then people come back and they say, well, that's not the standard practice. So like, get out of here, you predatory, you know, like, I, like, why do I need you? And it's a strangely strong, so it's like, okay, hey, like, you know, we're not, we're not forcing anything. And I understand that you kind of maybe don't understand. And if you want to hear more, we can talk. If you don't, that's cool too. But there is, there is a strangely, uh, like strongly held almost like belief or ideology behind how real estate purchases go. And if you veer outside of that in any way, it just, it throws people for a loop. Yeah. Is, is that, that they're people that are, like they're people that are wanting to buy places and they're, um, and they're not local or I, I'm just curious about who those people are. It's like, the, these the, are Japanese people who are saying this or. Oh um, no. Gen well, both actually. Um, I, I had a relatively, ultimately it was a really good experience, but, um, down in, in Izu, I was speaking with actually somebody trying to sell their property we we're kind of going through our seller's services, which just like our buyer's services are non-standard practices, right? And there are monthly fees and things associated and photography and cleaning and this, that, and as I'm sure you're very familiar with, right? And we, I mean, really, we maybe got like a minute into the conversation about associated fees and what the services are. And, and they were just like, oh my God, that's insane. Why would I ever do that? Like, and the conversation, I was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. Oh, <laughs> don't, but you don't want, like, you okay, don't want if you want to wait three years to sell your thing and, you know, just every year the price goes down a little bit and nothing ever moves, like, okay, that's your prerogative. But like, if you want to get it sold in like three months, then yeah, pay us more and we can just get it out. I, I kind of feel the clients that are like that are maybe the ones that you don't want. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't try. Yeah. yeah, I don't try to sell anything to someone who doesn't want yep. the property. I my clients sort of want the service and 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 are looking for it. So, like you know, I've got quite a few people that I speak to that you know mention Aki, and every time they do mention something or something rural, I always say, oh, you know what? Like I started, we started this sort of thing on Clubhouse, and now it's YouTube, and we discuss every week. This guy Matt, um, he basically does this Akia service mm -hmm. for you know. A few hundred thousand yen up to like you know whatever um depends on how much you search you know but that's that's a fee because the clients that i'm talking to i know that they're like i'm excited that i can get a service for between five thousand to ten thousand dollars or you know those, those you know I think whatever those fees may be that will find the right place for me mm -hmm. um yeah so and that's that's actually like the sales point like to when i talk to people you can actually get this done because for, for only this kind of fee, right? As opposed to the ones that are trying to get the cheapest option and the cheapest fees. Um, they, sorry, they're, they're not my client. I'm, I want, like, oh, they're not the people I, like, I want to send you. Um, it's the ones yeah. that, oh, you can get this done. <laughs> and it's, it's only this much. It's, it's a fee, but that's what you pay him, and that's his job. And uh, even, that's why even when I met you, I was like, I was excited by that option. Think, oh, you know what? If I'm ever ready for it, God, I don't want to do this. I don't have time. I've got a full-time job. And i got kids. And... I'm probably not going to do as cost-effective a job mm. as someone who that's who is a professional at it. I think I'm going to get more more value from the service they provide, my mm. net financial figure, than if I were to try to do it myself. Yeah, and I mean, certainly that's a very good description of kind of our stage one service. Um, and but the other thing you brought up too is the the cheapness 
of stuff too is there another problem and this goes back to the like all of the articles that have been coming out for a long time now is they do a very good job of really not talking much about additional costs yeah <laughs> like hey it's 500 bucks let's do this right and for whatever reason, i guess you know people sort of kind of understandably although if you keep doing it then it's a little weird but you know at least the first time you read this you get like holy shit i can get $500. That's amazing. I could, and they probably daydream for a few hours and like they build their whole fantasy life and stuff around. And then they hear, oh yeah, but there's like an additional 15 to $25,000 involved. Then they're like, well, geez, guys, what happened to $500? I'm like, are you serious? If you're still complaining about $30,000 all told for a, a house and property that you own and are not renting, like maybe a, the, the price here is not that the Akia is not the problem. Like you're, you're just like exceedingly cheap. <laughs> um, also, the ones that don't have that cash to put towards the project, yeah, maybe that's like one, now is not the time for you to buy a place that if you can't afford those extra ten to twenty thousand dollars of fees. You probably can't afford to maintain or prepare right. this this kind of property. But it's important to know that because okay, now this is your strategy. You know, in order to get it, this is the kind of costs involved, and this is the timeline. Often, when I have you know calls with with my clients, we say, okay, look, you know, you're going to need anywhere from five to twenty five percent in closing costs. Mm -hmm. It is possible to get all those closing costs wrapped up in the loan if you're you know, permanently employed, you've been employed at the same company, it's a large company for some time. Generally, though, people that are eligible for the 105% loans don't need 105%. Oh, yeah, we have the same, right? same yeah. situation. Like, yeah, wow, yeah. They, you make how much a year and you're buying yeah. a $30,000 house? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, it's the ones that, you know, and the, the banks know this. So sometimes we have conversations with the bank saying, okay, they want to buy an 18 million yen property like $800,000 property and they want the bank to finance it plus do the closing costs mm. why, why is someone someone who's earning you know $120,000 a year 12 million yen a year why can't they the bank will ask why can't they afford to put the closing costs down why can't they afford 4 million yen like three months worth of salary four months worth of salary why can't they afford to put that down are they that bad financially are they that financially you know um incompetent that they cannot save even you know a few months worth of salary for to, for a house purchase and if we say yeah they just have no cash the bank's not comfortable giving them 105 percent right. but often the story rather is well they they have they have savings it's all in in stock market and or foreign assets or domestic assets whatnot but they understand that interest rates are so low it's financially uh, more beneficial to get uh, get it in the loan with a low interest rate than to utilize, than to sell or even just transfer funds um, right. from overseas. You lose percentage. So that changes the client to not being, having no money, but rather they're quite financially savvy and know the best use of their money. And then the bank is more confident with, with someone like that because they know, okay, this person does have funds. And they may ask, well, can we see their proof of savings at least? So either just bank statements, <laughs> yeah, bank statements, or they're off their, um, you know, they yeah, had people like they got, um, for example, an E-Trade America, you know, E-Trade in the US um, account. They just want to see a, a statement saying their financial position. So, okay, this person has money. So we're more comfortable loaning money to someone who's got money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the, 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 the 105%, yeah. 
Especially that. when we're talking about those kind of prices. I did that when I bought my house, Mill. I, I showed my complete global financial footprint. So that was my, you know, the, my savings that I put in a, you know, um, offshore and because um, I don't believe that Nenkin's going to support me, so I have my own. Um, and, and I, you know, I gave them my whole, like my savings that I've got in Australia, the whole thing. And I think that went a long way because I'm not in that category of working in a nice big fancy company that has um, that the banks love to to rent to to lend to. I I'm self employed, and it was a, you know for, for me even to get the loan that I got was quite you know it was it took it took a, a, a somebody that was prepared to look at things a little bit differently. Yeah, I had to pay. I don't didn't get those rates that that you can get um, with uh, with for people that are working at, um, at big traditional companies, but I was still able to get a home loan in Japan that I wouldn't have got normally. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I gave, I was just like, I'm not a woman of mystery. Here is my complete picture. And I get, just gave it to the bank and they, um, and they let me, they let me borrow. So yeah. now that, now the trick is to refinance that so that I can get a better, better rate. Cause I've been, yeah. you know, I've had the loan now for a number of years. So I'll, I'll talk to you and you can help me out. Yeah, we have kind of spoken on that um, a little bit. But what I do recommend um, with, with the banks that do sort of do uh, a bit more flexible with the client that they have, the non-traditional, like, you know, they're maybe self-employed, have their own business, et cetera. Those, um, the banks like that, they do give a higher interest rate, but you call them once a year and say, you know what, it's a bit ridiculous. Um, can you get half a percent or 1% off? And yeah, do that. Um, with your particular bank that you use, uh, you can do that. With the regular Japanese ones, no, so other people don't really bother trying it. But uh, yeah, Tracy, for you, it's worth doing that. I, I'll, I'll need someone to advocate for me because I don't think my language is up to the up to scratch. And also, I, I just don't have your good looks and charm, Emil. Yeah, some people are blessed. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Emil's just got that thing. We don't, um, because most of our customers are cash buyers, we don't deal with banks and stuff. But the um, I can't say that we've ever heard too many complaints about people having to pay buyer's agency fees. But I guess a lot of that is because most of them, by the time they start talking to us, they've already tried to do things on their own. So they've emailed a few agents, they've looked at a few listings, and then they contact us saying, well, look, the agent just returned one email, sometimes not even that, and now they're not talking anymore because I asked them a question and looks like nobody ever asked them a question, let alone in English. And I just, and I guess you don't get that as much in Tokyo and Osaka and so forth. But, um, and by the time they reach us, they're, they're just happy that there's somebody who can actually bridge that gap for them. So that's, that's never been an issue. Plus the, the, the amount, in, in your case too, Matt, especially in your case, I think the, um, the amount of, like the potential to make costly mistakes when you're buying in a, in a foreign land, in a foreign environment, in a foreign language, and, and without knowing anything about the local market is ridiculous. There's a guy called um, Michael. He has a newsletter called Cheap Houses Japan. Highly recommended too, actually. He's got a very uh, nice Instagram account as well. His um, uh, business model isn't exactly up to snuff, if we're being honest. (laughs) His business model is making money off the internet. He uh, makes money on advertising and banners and so forth. He's not not making money on real estate. Right, right. 
But um, are you throwing shade there, Matt? A little bit. Well, he's 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 basically privatized and then monetized publicly accessible uh, uh, imagery and. Um, uh, my understanding is anyway, and listings, right? Everyone's got to make a buck somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. If he's consolidated, I, I have no idea. I've never seen this person, never even heard of, of the, that that site or that letter that you, you mentioned. It. But yeah, if someone's consolidating a whole bunch of information and putting it together, like, you know, that, there's, there's value in that. Like I pay for some courses and classes that you could possibly just find from YouTube you know, but I don't have the time to consolidate all that. Yeah, right, right. Like right. That, that, you know, there's certain speaker that you like and you can watch all this stuff for free or they have a, you know, $20, $50, $80 download. Well, that, I mean, that's a cool thing about what, what he does as well. And this serve honestly, this is a theme that I see everywhere, not just real estate of basically there's like very close to actually inaccessible oases of a specific type of information. But if you can't get into it, then you don't even know it's there. And so the consolidation and sort of, you know, let's let's use some radical terms, like the liberation of, of um, information regarding real estate, or, I mean, this is also what I do in um, with independent music as well. It's the same problem. Uh, that is, it's a very valuable service. And not even service, just like, it's a thing that needs to be done because I, I personally think that that's something that's holding a lot of opportunity in Japan kind of, Kind of back is that it's simply difficult to access right and so well, same same story though with his newsletter i mean yes you could skirt the internet in japanese and find all of these listings on your own but the fact that somebody puts it all together for you mm -hmm. um, yeah so anyway what i was going to say is that he's he's actually purchased his own house uh, a few years ago and he's got a house um here in japan and it's all said and done but when he spoke to us he's like oh I wish I wish I knew that you could actually have a buyer's agent in Japan, you know, and because the amount of hassle and the amount of uh, hoops that you have to jump through as a foreigner purchasing here, especially if you're a remote foreigner, you don't even live here is is, is and in many cases, it's insurmountable again, unless you're buying out of Tokyo and uh, Osaka. I think yeah, we, we get a number of inquiries. Uh, in fact, I'm working with somebody right one of our clients right now. There's a lot, and honestly, I'm American, so I'll throw legit shade. <laughs> it's a lot of Americans don't research anything and are like, oh my God, I don't live there, but can I buy it? Let's do it. It's like, okay, you don't understand <laughs> what's going on here. Well, well, when we were doing the clubhouse rooms, there were all, so many Americans going, they're going, yeah, I'm a, I'm a realtor in, in whichever state. Or well, I mean, I invest in this state. I'm keen on buying a property in Japan. Can I just buy one in Japan? Um, but I, I do admire their enthusiasm. Well, like you can do it much like Michael did, right? You, it's totally legal, doable, and stuff. But there's like costs considerable, or can be considerable costs associated with it, yeah. and with the mistakes I, that you might make along the way. Exactly. I do, yeah, I do feel the nature of clientele though are quite different between the, the two of you guys. Um, so people looking to use Zib services, they are investors. They're mm. looking at growing wealth. And they, they're looking at purchasing a good asset that's going to be a good investment. Um, so they, they're trying to grow their wealth and they, they are, they're, so they're looking for a service that can help them purchase a property. Whereas I feel with Akia, some of those people that are not happy with the fact that there's these other costs involved, but they can't get it for just $500. They're not investors. They are looking to get the cheapest thing possible. They're, they're excited. Bargain hunters, because, yeah. 
yeah, they're looking for the bargain. They're looking for the cheap entry. So any additional cost is, hold on a second, that's not part of my plan. Whereas I think an investor is like, yes, these are part of the costs involved in, in investing in this product. Um, or overall, I'm going to be in a better financial position by using, um, by using the service. Mm -hmm. um, like yeah. someone like Ziv. So I think the type of clientele you have uh, are going to be possibly a little bit different. But of course, there are the ones, like I said earlier, Matt, the ones that the people I talk to that once they say they're looking for a place in rural mm -hmm. um, uh, Japan, I'm like, well, yeah, speak to. And these are people that generally already own a house in Tokyo, right? So they've so already got that place. Yeah, that's. And, our clientele is quite top tier, actually. Um, lots of C-suite, lots of uh, Fortune 500 and stuff like that, yeah. surprisingly. The ones um, that end up hiring you, you mean, not everyone who contacts yeah. you. Yeah, the ones that actually yeah. give us money. <laughs> They're not averse to... And that, I mean, that's kind of the thing, too, with this project. You know, you can consider it kind of a project, right? There are, frequently, they've done it before. Australia, the US, UK also in Japan as well. So they're familiar with, you know, what that actually pretend, like what they're getting themselves involved in. Um, they also just, for one, one reason or another, understand that, yes, okay, that's the price of the house. There's almost certainly other costs associated with it. Let's find out and see how much that is. And I've got the money to do it. So, you know, they can do it. Um, the, uh, the tire kickers, right, are just, they're the $500, give me $500 or bust kind of, kind of approach which i mean it's it is insane a bit to me that i mean we're talking about real estate even if it's cheap it's not cheap <laughs> you know like could you actually did you actually get duped by by a story yeah, quality 500 dollars houses are you kidding me i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna give a bit of you know just a bit of empathy to we're in the business, right? We're we're used to it. We've gotten that. Yes. Our very first purchase or the very first foray into real estate, we were asking these same questions. That's why we get these questions. Like, yeah, bang on. We know the answer right away because we've answered it a million times. But also, if we think back, we've actually asked probably the same questions in very very early days. Like, hold on, five hundred five hundred dollar houses or thousand dollar house. Let me look into this because right? <laughs> it looks like a good deal. So I'm, I'm keen in it. How much we get a full purchase fee? Oh, like, like, oh, hold on, zero point five percent interest rate for home loans. That right. looks like a good deal. Like, what is it? And and fortunately in Japan, then that is real. That is a real situation. Yeah. But you have to make some conditions, like have a job, purchase and <laughs> um, sale. And for for Japanese too, like we had them. Um, we bought a property. I mean, not, not us on behalf of a client. We bought a property from a Japanese couple. And then, and they've inherited the property. So it was an investment property. It was tenanted and everything. They inherited from um, her dad or, or his dad. I don't know, whoever. And then they, for whatever reason, they ended up selling it. And they insisted on coming in person to the settlement meeting. They insisted on being paid in yes. cash, yes. which is the first time for us, like bring a suitcase of cash with you. And as soon as we put the cash on the table, the wife just like jumped on it and started counting it in front of the realtor. Obviously, this is a person who's never done a purchase or a sale before, but it was, it was just so funny to watch. Now we're going to interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say that we're going to interrupt this broadcast to give you a quick reminder that NTI is now partnered with Meta Securities Hospitality Property Fund, and they're offering their mind-blowingly gorgeous Machia townhouses in Kyoto. Uh, 
So there's four of them, each about 100 years or older, lovingly restored and renovated to modern standards luxury. Stunning architecture and comfort, all the modern conveniences, including uh, your scenic indoor or outdoor bath, spectacular dining and sitting rooms, disgustingly decadent Japanese or Western-style bedrooms, high-speed Wi-Fi internet, kitchen, outdoor decks, Japanese gardens, the works. Now, each of these homes can comfortably host two or three families, including kids. So anywhere from one or two guests and all the way up to a dozen or so. And you can rent the entire house to yourself. So no other guests. It's all yours. Run around naked all day and night long, if that's your thing. Supreme Japanese-style luxury accommodation. And since at the moment there are still no foreign tourists in Kyoto, these places are available for rent at ridiculously low prices. So we're talking as little as $430 for a whole week. That's right, luxury accommodation for an entire clan, two families or more, for as little as four, five, or $600 a week. Obviously, the longer the stay, the cheaper the rate is, but you can rent these for anywhere between one or two nights and up to a month or more. So perfect for a weekend getaway, extended holiday, workation, family reunion, company retreat, or even as a gift to a valued client, whatever you might have in mind. And if you book these through our website, you're also going to get an added bonus of one or more 3,000 yen. So that's $30 QO cards, QUO. Those are gift cards that you can use all around the country in convenience stores, restaurants, various stores, lifestyle shops, you name it. The number of cards you'll get depends on the length of the stay, but you'll always get at least one of these. So if you're in Japan, or even if you're out of Japan, but you think that you might be able to get in sometimes in the next year or two, and you've been thinking about spending some time in Kyoto, this is your chance to nab the best accommodation deal possible. So we'll link to the bookings page, which also has some amazing photo galleries for each of these properties on offer. Now they all come with a fully equipped kitchen, but you can also choose to have your meals delivered to the property if that's your thing. The operator can arrange that for you at very reasonable prices. And if you can't see the show notes for any reason, just go to our website, nippontradings.com. That's N-I-P-P-O-N tradings with an S, all one word, nippontradings.com forward slash Kyoto hyphen holiday hyphen rentals, or just go to nippontradings.com and you'll see the Kyoto holiday rentals option on the top right menu bar. Now we are already taking bookings, so some of the properties may not be available on your dates, but Mida security guys are super accommodating and they'll do their best to find you an available property for whenever it is you're planning your trip, get on there, book your inquiry and take that dream holiday in Kyoto that you've been fantasizing about while these phenomenal prices are still available. And now back to the podcast. Um, that brings up another interesting point uh, that surprises some people during closing is that there's no arbitrage, um, at least yep. for the type of- No escrow, right? Yeah. Or escrow, yeah, sorry. Right. Um, which again, kind of as Emil was pointing out, like I'm, I've been aware of this for a while now, so it's not as just like anvil on the head surprising when you yeah. first find out. But like when clients are like, wait a minute, seriously <laughs> it's it's a very kind of hair raising um kind of it can be sort of a hair raising experience i mean granted you know japan has you know a lot of things going for it trust being one of them 
Um, so if you just trust in it, then, but that's like no trust systems are far better than trusting systems in my, in my own opinion, right? So the whole lack of escrow is super odd. And I don't think, I don't think I knew that until I myself started digging into real estate. Like I don't ever see it sort of reported on or mentioned in articles or anything. Does any, has anybody else here? Oh, can, can you just explain that? Like, so no, because it's a norm, they don't explain it, but just don't explain to the listeners what you mean by what, like when they oh, have it, so, how it yeah. actually works. So if, if you're use if you're spending a bunch of money, what you probably don't want to do is just say, Hey, here's a bunch of money. Please give the thing that you promised you'd give me after I give you the money. Cause you have no guarantee that, you know, for the $50,000 or whatever, um, you're actually going to receive the thing. And so with escrow, it's just, a, it's a, it's a middle party, right. That, that kind of mediates the transaction. So they're the hoarder of the cash. And in the case of real estate, you know, the yeah. hoarders that yeah, cash received title did received. Okay. On you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, that's a great system for, for large purchases. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, the way that it at least works um, with us, I mean, it's literally, okay, money transfer, press the button, money transferred to XYZ bank account, ring, ring, you know, you get a phone call. Oh, hey, it's XYZ bank account. You did receive money? Okay, great. So, you know, transaction complete. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, there's... But there's a, there's a form of security there in the middle in the in the form of the shihoshoshi because the judicial scrivener or the, like the property lawyer as they're known in other countries they actually should, in ideal situations, be getting the title deed a few days before the settlement. Yes, that's, and so we, we have a team of Shiho Shoshi that we work yeah. with. So um, they, don't, they wouldn't be releasing it or, or conducting the ownership transfer before they've confirmed that money's changed hands, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'll actually, I'll, um, I'll, I think Tracy wants to speak. So I'll explain how that, the, the, the lack of escrow or that transfer ownership works with the, the scrivener, the Shiho Shoshi, how that works in a second with the more with the home loans for like a million dollars, et cetera. But I think Tracy was going to jump on and say something. Well, I was just going to jump on to say that that here in Japan, though, that they you don't have all of the sort of hard property liens and, and, and those things that you do yeah. have in other countries that you do need to do a bit more due diligence on. So, you know, you might be buying a property um, in uh, in the US and, you know, it's got a ton of like outstanding debt on it that, that doesn't immediately show up. So that's what the, um, the escrow is there for. Well, no, but um, they still take care of that here. I mean, if there is a mortgage on the property, for example, then the property lawyer, the Shio Shoshi, does need to go to the bank and make sure that the, the, the amount is paid off before they can conduct their business, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. There's just there's not those um, hard property loans that you you do have in in other countries. So mm. yes, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's certainly an interesting um, situation. So yeah, jump in a minute. Yeah, so I want to. I'll just explain to to the listeners how it sort of works, and I'll explain with home loans because you know I I do typical like you know family homes in in Tokyo. So what happens is when you purchase the property, you or when you first sign the contract of sale. Um, so you, you, what happens is you sign a contract of sale and you pay a deposit, a down payment, anywhere like up to about 5% is the, the industry norm. So you pay 5% deposit to the seller and you sign a contract. And that contract basically locks in the deal. And the if you want to cancel the, the sale after you pay the deposit, you have to forfeit the deposit. Hang on, pause. So, it's always yeah. been 10% for us. I've never heard this 5% of which you speak. Uh, we usually do five percent, but possibly our again our properties are like it's it doesn't have to be that price. You can actually negotiate, um, but the reason 
and perhaps your sales are, I don't know if they're larger pies. I was like, we're talking sort of, you know, eight, like say 80 million, $800,000, right? So 10%, $80,000, people often don't have that much cash. Yeah. They want to put in into it. So 10% is quite a significant amount of cash. Right. Um, so 5%, sometimes if it's a new development, we can even negotiate like a million yen. So less, but the, so the, the reason though, if once the contract is signed, it actually says in the contract, in order to cancel, like either party is able to cancel the contract by forfeiting the deposit, or if it's the seller who wants to cancel, he must return the deposit and pay double that amount, yeah. uh, pay that amount again. Okay. So if you have only a $1,000 deposit, a hundred thousand yen deposit, it's not a very secure contract because the buyer can just say, look, you know, I found another property that is better. So they're willing to lose that $1,000, $100,000 yen. And the seller as well, maybe they get a better offer from another party. Or in another situation, let's say, um, you know, the seller's got an apartment in, in Azabu and their daughter is finishing university in the US and wants to come back to Tokyo and wants the place to live in. And the seller says, oh, you know what? I'm not going to sell it anymore. My daughter's coming back. Mm. So, um, so that penalty, if you, if as a buyer, you only put a hundred thousand yen as a deposit, I don't, I wouldn't feel too confident. The seller can easily just say, okay, well, I, in order to cancel this contract, I'm just going to pay you an extra, I'm going to refund your deposit and give you another hundred thousand yen back. Hundred thousand yen is not important, not a big deal. When it's five percent, when it's three million yen, four million yen, like thirty or forty thousand dollars that's more of a significant cancellation fee. Um, so that, that's why it feels a bit more protected. So they say 5%, but you can kind of negotiate that, but usually not under a million yen, right? So $10,000. I think um, also the 10% might be there for cash buyers, not for uh, people buying with a loan, in which case uh, they will see a bigger amount. Yeah. Okay, I'll, possibly. Yeah, we, don't, we don't, haven't really had that. But again, I think that usually the properties we're doing at, even then that the deposit, is generally between one and five million yen. Yeah. Um, right. And then what happened? But that, like, if it's a million dollar property and they're putting five million yen in um, at, at the contract date, they put five million yen ca- uh, down payment. That's actually done in cash. You know, you're talking about cash. They literally bring five million yen yeah. um, to our office. And we have one of those counting machines, like you see in the, the casino movies and whatnot. <laughs> you whack it in there. <laughs> oh, you don't, do, you, don't do, you don't do furikomi for like a bank transfer for that? Um, no, to the seller, no. So uh, some clients don't want to, like, we'll, we'll meet at our office um, in Ibis, and some clients don't want to, sometimes the buyer feels uncomfortable bringing a few million yen in cash on the train, which is fine. But so why, they, why cash, though? I don't get what, why not just a bank? <laughs> yeah, this is good <laughs> stuff. Go back. So now it's overwritten. Oh, he's got the suitcase of cash. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but if, so what happens is they will um, actually transfer the cash to, if they don't feel, if the buyer doesn't feel comfortable bringing that much cash with them, then they can transfer it to our agency's account. And we, but we'll actually go to the bank the morning of the contract and we'll withdraw it and bring it down to the office um, and then hand it to the buyer. And then during the contract, that the, the buyer will actually hand over the 5 million yen across the table. Now we have the plastic shield that go around. Why do you do that? Why is, doesn't it all... That's, 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 just like the sound of the money because, well, 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 we talk about the escrow thing. So that it's all done at the same time, right? So 
if you transfer that money to the seller in advance, what if he doesn't come to the signing? Well, we do it on a, on a screen. Like we show them that there's the transfer. We just click, like you do with PayPay. Here's the amount. Here's the thing. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. But some people don't like sometimes bank accounts can't transfer that the, that much. I don't know how much your deposits are, but, you know, 5 million yen. A lot of people will have a restriction on their on their accounts. But right. I, I don't know why, but generally we that's what we do. You do always, cash. Or, 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 always. Yeah, it's cash for the deposit. And there's no, there's, it's exciting. there's no escrow for that. Like, so... Um, but yeah, the, the, anyway, the contract is in place. <laughs> but there's so the a the picture of you on Instagram with like a suitcase full of cash or something like that. No? Oh, well, but people. I mean, that was like, man, this is just like constantly have a camera running on the money counter <laughs> on TikTok or something. <laughs> um, pe- I, people I do like. People when, when, do I bought, when I bought my house, um, I, um, I, it was the last day of the year. The, the last day of the banking year and I needed to have the contract signed by a particular date and have the money in. So I was actually in Yokohama. I picked, I went to my bank, took out three or something million yen worth of cash and had it in my handbag and then caught the train from Yokohama yeah. back to back to Japan. And the, the, the lady in the bank was just like, oh, love, are you going you, you to be okay with all this money? And I went, yep, no worries. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. Everybody slow down a minute. I, I don't, okay. L- let me tell you what, <laughs> how it works with us. And then please let me know what I'm get, not getting here. Okay. So we, we would normally, once we agreed for the purchase, the seller would receive a copy of the contract. They would sign it. And then it would come to us and then we would sign it. And on the same day, transfer electronically the deposit amount either to the seller directly or to the realtor who will then either hold on to it or transfer it onto the seller. Why is there cash involved? I don't get it. Great. I have no idea. <laughs> so how it works with, the, with our home purchases generally at our office is so the seller and the seller's agent, we often work you know, with the buyer side. So and then the buyer, our client, and us will come to our office, or sometimes the seller's agent office, right? If it's a, you know sometimes a big real estate agency or whatnot, we'll go to their office, but it doesn't matter. We all come together, and that's where we make sure everyone we, we read through all the contract information. Everyone agrees, and this all the hunko and stamping is done, and the we hand over the cash, and the seller will give us a receipt. That the, their agent has prepared okay, for the it. for the deposit, okay, and then the contract is is all stamped and everything is agreed. No, no, I, I know why you do it that yeah. way because you're all in the same city. With us, it's always like if it's in Fukuoka, we might do it like we might all get together here, or sometimes like some particular agency will mm. insist on coming in from Tokyo for the meeting itself. But most cases, it's all done via remote cities, and yeah. you know, one party signs, they post it. The other party signs the deposit. It's all yeah. Maybe it does make sense when it's an investment property that no one needs to see. It's just it's more of an this asset is like a financial tool. So yeah, they may not be in the same city. For us, it's usually family home. So I'm sure there is a way to do it if the person's not in the same city or cannot attend. Yeah. Then yes, we can we can. I'm sure we could arrange it. But in general, that's what. That's what happens. But then when it comes to the actual purchase day, right? Because again, you've only put say five million, four million yen, five million yen of deposit of cash down. Then on contract day, that's when everyone will get together either at our office or at the bank. Okay. Um, but it's quite common with the mega banks. We'll, we'll go to the branch. And let's say it's a million dollar property. It's a hundred million yen. 
100 million yen will actually get, the bank will put 100 million yen into the seller's account, sorry, into the buyer's account. And the, we, we prepare the, the, a list of all the transfers and says, okay, this, the buyer needs to transfer to the seller, you know, 98 million, uh, 95 million yen. It's actually a 100 million yen property, but they've already paid 5 million. They only need to transfer 95 million yen. And they need to transfer 3 million yen to, to the agent as an agency fee. They need to transfer, you know, 100,000 yen for the earthquake and fire insurance. Um, and that happens on the day. So when everyone gets together, the scrivener looks and checks the title is okay. All that information is correct. And they've got the title, they've checked the ID. And then the scrivener gives the okay to the bank and says, yes, all the documents are in order. You can transfer the money. Um, the seller will be there and he'll check online on his bank account or he'll you know, he may make a phone call. When the money has been received into his account, he'll say, yes, it's okay. He hands over a receipt for the rest of the house. All the stamping gets done. Um, and the scrivener will have the documentation and say, yes, everything's approved. Um, and the, minister, the scrivener will go to the Ministry of Affairs and do the actual title, title transfer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get the keys on that day. But that, that's how it happens. So there's no, yeah, there is no escrow service for that major amount, but the scrivener is the one who gives the authorization to the bank that all the documents are in order, everything is ready. Um, and the scrivener has done some pre-work communication with the seller, pre-communication uh, with the, the seller's bank, whichever has the lien on, yeah. on the bank that has to be removed, and with the buyer's bank. And the scriveners all done. are legally licensed and monitored up the wazoo. So there's very there's a yeah. very small chance that they're going yeah. to be uh, up to any monkey business. Yeah. Um, and their fee is, I think, maybe about 300,000 yen. It's included in the title registration fee. So it's called a Torki Hio. The yeah. title registration fee for properties, we usually have like, maybe like anywhere from 500,000 yen to a million yen for the registration taxes and fees plus the scrivener's service fee. Um, is that, that's the kind of price we, we look at. Um, and yeah, and so some people say, oh, we can do it ourselves. We can, you know, because technically you can do the Scrivener job yourself yes. as an individual. Technically you um, don't need as an a way, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, as, as a way to save money, but we've never seen that. And also because who's going to take responsibility if there's an error and the bank won't accept it. The bank won't accept an individual trying to save 200,000 yen but what if you make a mistake? You know, your job is to put the, the bank's lien, the mortgage, on the title. So they want to make sure a professional um, does it. So they likely won't accept um, the individual to it. Yeah, the, um, the, the documentation element of the whole process is, I, I, I mean, that's, that's the part that is just so rife. Like, yes, Neil, you're correct. You technically, you're going give to give it the old college a try. And you might have as much luck like translating ancient cuneiform texts or something like that. Like technically you can do it. You're going to fail somewhere. It's, it's, <laughs> being, it's still being stuff. done, I think, especially in your kind of areas, Matt. It's still being done in the countryside where, you know, some farmer is selling his land to another farmer kind of thing. They just both go to the Legal Affairs Bureau and stamp some documents and stuff. Well, that does happen. Um, that's something that we actively tried to at very least uh, uh but disencourage um, it's so part of like that actually properties that have that in their history will end up being more, even more expensive services wise, because with our Shiho Shoshi, 
that's that's kind of it's not a shady transact, but you know it's kind of it's like a community transaction, right? Yeah. And for our clients, I mean, we uh, again these, these are Akia, they're kind of notorious for having something wrong with them, but it's not always very well defined. Yeah. And so oh, the border's right over there, can't you see it? Precisely, right? Yeah. And so and we've done this before, right? Where we we go with our Shiho Shoshi to the municipal offices, tracking down all of the registered documentation and also turning up what isn't registered. It's not that if there isn't information about it, then it's no go. It's merely we need to know what information exists and what does not, such that our client can make an informed decision. And these farmer to farmer transactions a lot of the time, they just don't have as much documentation, which means more work for us, which means yeah. that the client then has to pay higher fees. If there is an issue down. with document with title, it significantly reduces the value of the property. The property that becomes, like in Tokyo at least, so much more unattractive when there's a discrepancy between the title and the property itself. Yeah. Um, and I just see if people start doing it themselves, even if they can, the bank, like if it's a cash purchase and there's no bank demanding that it gets done. If something is overlooked, even though, yeah, technically great, you're the owner, whatever, when you go to sell it or just say a few transactions down the line, someone's going to be like, you know, I just imagine in a decade or two's time, even now you probably come across it. Oh, this transaction done by, you know, the great grandparents was just done between them. And so this information is missing on the registration. Yeah. And that's going to impact the value and the resellability now. You're, um, you're totally you're correct. And it sucks for sellers. It's really great for our buyers, though, because if you do do the proper due diligence and you do uncover discrepancies, guess what? You can start negotiating significant price reductions. I'm yep. talking like 20 to 50%. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. The, the and so spending cash to do like the hardcore CSI detective work. And, and it's funny because this is Japan, right? Like it's not like some third world country where, you know, some, suddenly someone's going to show up and, oh, that's my grandfather's property. Or it belongs to the chief of police. You're not allowed. You <laughs> sold me the Brooklyn Bridge. Like, it's not going to happen here. The most that's going to happen is, is you're going to end up doing, like you're saying, a lot of detective work and reproducing documents and bringing out the people to remeasure the borderline or whatever it is. Like, it's not going to be anything that's going to be, you know, making suddenly the property is not yours anymore. But still, okay, people right. people avoid that like the plague, right? Well, and, but from a buyer's point of view as well, um, at least for Akia, you'd be surprised at how many people, and it might have just something to do with like, hey, it's cheap, I don't care. Um, but just like run into and basically sight unseen and just sign and purchase the damn thing without realizing, like for example, out in Saitama, there was a property that was actually in, what do you call it? Like a historic preservation area, which meant like considerable, like uh, you can't build above two stories. And, you know, there's color schemes that you have to abide by. And that I would want to know. We see that. Yeah, this wasn't listed, yeah. right? We discovered this by going to the municipal office on, on behalf of, of the client, right? And ended up knocking, I think it was 150,000 US off the price because like, yo, it's a really nice place, but you didn't tell us about this. And that significantly reduces the stuff that I can do on it. As far as I'm aware, the realtors are obliged by law to tell you about any of these uh, sort of um, constra constraints or limitations or whatnot, no? The, uh, I, I believe no. you're correct, but in practice, the experience that we've had is kind of along the lines of, if you know the question to ask that begs the response of what you were just saying, then yes. But if you're not actively like pursuing the information, it might just go unsaid. Oh. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's not like so, longing, but 
Yeah, I'm not sure with Akia and how the Akia banks work and whatnot, but yeah, with the, what Ziv was saying, with a general trans, with a common transaction, um, there's the the contract, the bye-bye Kayakusho. So contract of sale, which details the, the terms and conditions of the sale transaction. Um, and that's what I mean, like the, the penalty fees if you want to cancel, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then there's this item called the Juyo Jiko Setsumeisho, the item of important matters. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that the licensed agent is puts together and they have to read it and explain it to the buyer and to the to the seller. So that's a licensed agent's job. Um, and in that item of important matters, that's what describes the information about the property, mm-hmm. including zoning and any restrictions, et cetera, that exist. However, I'd like, so that's what we do. So you, and when, when we read that to the client, we explain it. And in Tokyo, most of the properties we do, like the in general, like, you know, regular, like you know, Shibuya Kusa, Gaiku, et cetera. So they don't have the unusual zoning that you can get sort of in Inaka, like these, you know, historical preserved areas. Yeah. But even, but the thing is, even if that is mentioned, in, even if that is written in the documents, for example, like, uh, again, with, if it's an up transaction, I don't know the, how that actually works. But if it's a typical sale, the seller doesn't have to um, explicitly tell it. But in the documentation, mind you, it's quite a quite a detailed document. It'll say, oh, this house is in this zoning for, you know, in Chibaken under this historical. And there'll be a bunch of checkboxes. It's got this, 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 and yep, this yeah, zoning yeah, yeah. caveats on it. And they'll read it. So it's actually written there, but the buyer may not be aware yep. that, that this is it. And that's what you, I think to your point, if you don't know what questions ask, what does this mean? Well, hold on. What does what this restriction even involve? Um, they, then, yeah, it's not, um, it's, not uh, it, it's, it, it's something that can be missed, right? And that's what some due diligence in asking the right questions is, hold on, these are the regulations. What does that actually mean to me? Um, in Tokyo, we're like, well, any property in Tokyo has this is covered by this ordinance or by this, you know, um, thing. So we, we don't come across that stuff as much and we can explain right. it to the client, but I can definitely imagine. Yeah. Like that's why I think just, I tell people, yeah, like, you know, pay for the service and, and get it, you know, hey, um, when you buy I mean, these other properties. And some, you know, we frequently say, like, well, Hey, if you like burning cash on very risky pursuits, then all right, let's run with it. But the fact of the matter is a lot of these properties and it's not malicious, right? It's, and frequently like becoming an Akia is, is really kind of a scarlet letter such that once it, that process has like been completed and you are now Akia, like you better believe documentation is not going to be bothered with very much. And so it's just kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so especially with older properties, newer properties as you would expect, uh, generally they're not, um, they're pretty much up to snuff. Like they're, they're, they're good. And you, I mean, honestly, usually they, their owners are still somewhere around. It's just like, it's too rural or something like that. But the order a property gets, I mean, it just kind of accelerates uh, exponentially the order, it being kind of the, um, what the erasure of proper documentation. So you do have to be careful about it. Um, and in fact, you know, sometimes often enough, we aren't able to locate like frequent, like the Tolki or when, like construction date specifically is one that comes the up. Land title. Yeah. Um, we know when it's been registered. Right. But so far as the, you know, the initial 
like actual construction and title and owner of, you know, Boston like, time. Yeah. Like legit. And which is yeah. on, from one angle, very, very interesting. Right. Yeah. Like we've, we've sold Meiji era um, properties. And so we know they're at least like 130 years old, but we don't know anything more than that. Just because like you said, it's, it's actually been lost in time. There were no documents. If I'm in Tokyo, if I go through a listing of our client searching in, and we're looking for properties, you know, in, in this price range and we see one, if I see one pop up and always in, in the flyer and I'll have some information. And if it says like the year built, like for me, like unknown, yeah. <laughs> you built, I won't even send that to the client. I mean, like when there's, there's no, there's no scenario where we're going ahead with a property that <laughs> no, has documentation about the year built um, on the title. Yeah. Like that's, we're not, we're not working on that at all. <laughs> like the bank won't finance it. Like there's, there's a thing um, called the um, uh, Kakunin Zumi Shore. Yeah. And so when you do the, you apply for the plan and permits and it's like the, the Kakunin Shinsei Shore. Mm -hmm. So that's a permit application. And that includes all the floor plans and detailed drawings of like, you know, the fireproofing and all that sort of stuff. And then there's like the initial mid and final inspection from the, the city hall yes, during yes. building. And it was pretty common for properties like, you know, 15, 20 years ago and before to not have the final inspection done um, for whatever reason. But some, sometimes it could also mean that the the person like after it was signed off and they were building, maybe they extended a bit. They did a little bit extra or one of the one of the corners of the house that's meant to be a bit close, they opened it up a bit to mm -hmm. get an extra two or three square meters, something like that. It can be something significant, it can be something quite small. But if it just doesn't have that document, right? The final inspection, the Kakmin uh Zumi show, um yeah, sometimes the banks won't give financing on it. And although it's not a it's not a major issue and the house thing is fine, the banks are like, yeah, no, we don't want to deal with it. So when financing becomes hard, the price becomes significantly less. Yeah. It may be a good deal, but you're not getting a, a 80 million yen property for 60 million yen. That property is always going to be a 60 million yen property. Mm. You know, you can't resell it the next day. Yeah. So um uh yeah, it, it's interesting there, but title stuff for the big properties in Tokyo, especially when banks are involved, bank financing is involved, um, has to be really clear. Nothing sort Which of is great. unusual. In, in that sense, I'm very jealous. <laughs> I guess, I oh, guess yeah, the takeaway of today's chat is uh, get a bloody buyer's agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not just, yeah. it's also, I think today's chat, the theme is really, you know, showing that the benefit of getting people to do um, they're part of the job rather than try to be all the things, you know, yeah. like the, 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 you know, the paralegal does the paralegal work. The buyer's agent does the, you know, does that work. Yeah. I mean, and even it sort of reflects in my business in that when you're getting the minpaku um, registrations, I could, I could technically do that myself. I don't want to because yeah. my time is just, my time is more valuable than that. When there are people that I can pay and um, they can get that done because it's not just, it's not just dotting those I's and crossing the T's. It's, the fact that they've got to go and deal with the, the local government um, 
officers and they have relationships with those people yeah. um, and they can make sure that they know that Joe Bloggs, who works in this particular department, he's a real he's a real fuss nut for this particular, yeah. you know, this particular thing. So they We've know that you, you yeah. exactly right. I mean, it's even with the Mimpaku stuff, it's like there there are certain air like there are certain hokenjos which are easier to deal with than others oh, yeah. and so and yeah. so the, uh, the the scrivener the, the person who does those documentations they know that and they know what what is the particular you know bugbear of that of that um A any of our respective of areas of expertise like i wouldn't i wouldn't even dream of trying to lease a property out to uh, short-term stayers or airbnbers without someone like you tracy like just the thought of dealing with the advertising and the billing yeah. and the cleaning and the check-ins and checkouts it's an inconceivable for me yeah and, that, and that's what and that's why and that's why people pay me because yeah. i can do that really well because i've got uh, you know, I know how to do it. I've got all the assets at my fingertips. Um, and it's like, it's like, you know, you could do it, but it's like writing with your left hand. Like, you know, exactly. right, you yeah. know, if you, you can do it, but, but why? <laughs> that's, that's what it boils down to, right? It's, ba it's basically peace of mind, right? Like here's all these crazy things. And I'm going to be really stressed out about it for like years, but ultimately I'm going to get it done. Or, I'm already making a profit on and like okay. <laughs> I think um, I think Tracy has to uh, drop off in a minute, so we might we might call it a day. Yep. Okay. Yep. So thanks for sure. your time. Yeah, it's a good theme for today. Like today has really been all about you know the benefit of actually working with a buyer's agent, working with a good real estate agent, working with you know a, a broker, working. That's why with they call us real estate manager. professionals. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and that it's. It's not the cost; it's the value that we are, that we bring to the customer, um, and that's what you, and that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the value that we're bringing to you, and also those scriveners, they bring a value. Oh, they're worth the weight in gold. Oh, oh my god, god. Yeah. <laughs> dip them in gold, absolutely. Mm. They're usually quite slim and small, so they're not too heavy anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, but they're just on, on that. Yeah, and usually it's actually you'll be in a better financial position by using a professional. Oh, like, you know, yeah. like, so, yeah, yeah okay, like someone like Matt, like, you pay for the service, but you're going to save more than that in the not having the extra maintenance cost or these other secret, like, you know, you know, whatever other issues sort of arise. So, yeah. like, you know, when, when we do the home loan mortgage and stuff, the client can do the financing themselves. But I'm quite confident that we can probably get you a better deal or more money. Like you can find, get 80% financing or get interest rate 1.8%, 1.9%. We can, what if we get you 100% financing and 0.7%? Like we've just gotten you a better overall deal financially. It's going to be, and yeah, it's all part of the service. So um, yeah, good, I think good professional services. Um, like Tracy as well, you, I, I'm very confident that Amin Paku, like, doing it yourself versus getting a professional to do it. Even the professional service fee that they take out of it, they're getting overall a higher nightly rate. Oh, hell. That they're, 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 and, and a better client, but their service fee taken out of it is still better than what you could have done yourself. As Not to mention the occupancy rates that you'd get working with a professional who knows yeah. how to advertise and place those people, right? Mm -hmm. Precisely, precisely. All right. Well, thanks for your time, guys. Thank good, you. Good place place to start. So Let's. Um, I'll send you this recording. So um, <laughs> we'll put them up online soon. Yeah. Sure. Fingers crossed. Okay. That little stop in the uh, middle there had me a bit worried, but we'll see how it, we go. It should <laughs> be fine. You just put the two together. All right. Can we say don't forget to like and subscribe.
Should we do that? Oh, like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm new to this. It'll be in That's the show cool. notes. Yeah, it's, I don't think that actually does anything. <laughs> we don't to do work. that. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Talk to you Bye. later. Have a great day. Bye, bro. Bye. All right. Good fun, as always. And a huge thank you, as always, to Tracy, Matt, and Emil. Each of them experts in their own right and always heaps of fun to talk to. And again, quick reminder, December 10 to 12, Friday through to Sunday at the Hotel Montan in Hakata, Fukuoka. At the moment, the event is open to guests of the hotel only. So you do have to book the entire experience. The hotel hasn't approved walk-ins just yet. So we can't sell tickets to the event itself unless you're actually staying at the hotel for the weekend, but we will let you know if and when that changes. But if you're not from Fukuoka, that's really a no-brainer. Come and join us as we talk business, mingle, network, eat, drink, and play a shitload of really awesome games. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time, and until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku!